Hello and welcome to I'd Sooner Forget This, a podcast where guests share with you things which have caused them embarrassment from their past. Like when I was 20 and quoted myself in a blog entry saying, you're never too young to reminisce on the good old days, but you're equally never too old to say that they have come to an end. (laughs) I've absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Um, I'm Daryl Smith and with me today is comedian and actor Becky Branning. Hello. Becky, what are we going to be looking at today? Uh, well, I just wanted to ask about your blog entry when <laughs> you quoted yourself. Did you write an article and then have quotation marks with your own quote in it? Yes. Wow. I know. Yeah. That's special. It, it's a bold move on your own blog entry yeah. <laughs> to quote yourself, but then have your own name there. Yeah. Like the whole thing isn't your own thoughts anyway. Yes. <laughs> I genuinely don't know. I think I was trying to be nuanced, whereas I just sounded like a 20-year-old trying to sound intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> but what are we going to be looking at of yours? So I, yeah, I've bought some old school books from primary school. I think this is the youngest we've gone on yeah. the podcast. Uh, so what are we going to be looking at first? Well, first, um, I've got a an exercise i presume that we were asked to do it but there's no title or date on the page so it looks like i just suddenly had a a moment of precociousness where i thought i would just write what would happen if i could change the world but yeah it's my sort of my vision and how old were you at the time um i think about seven so let's hear what your seven-year-old self thought Okay, yeah, I might have to explain afterwards some of the characters involved in it. Sure. Uh, okay, this is seven-year-old me. I mean, to be honest, I haven't changed much since. Uh, if I could change the world, I would give Julia Lassie and we wouldn't have to watch Badger Girl. Instead, we'd watch Neighbours and I'd stop the white people being horrid to the black people and I'd stop the people planting bombs and I'd do that by giving them hundreds packets of sweets and it would be any kind they like. And when I did that, I'd do Australia last so that I could live with neighbours and mummy and daddy and I'd improve daddy's handwriting and there would be no burglars. I feel like every single sentence needs explaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot going on there. Clearly very into neighbours. Yes, yeah, I felt that. A, a big focus on Australia itself as well. And sweets, which I think, to be honest, is maybe a tactic that that we ought to try maybe in the next G8. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they've thought of that, but, you know, who doesn't like sweets? Yeah, just checking out bonbons yeah. to <laughs> try and create peace. Uh, so let's go through some of the bits which need explaining. Yeah. Well, the first bit, I want to give Julia Lassie. Julia... Um, was a friend who was obsessed with Lassie. So obviously that was a natural starting point for what was wrong with the world. <laughs> Julia liked Lassie. Ju- Julia so deserved Lassie. Exactly, yep. Clearly it was that was a key point. Badger Girl was some educational programme I remember we had to watch and then you had to do a worksheet about it, which I guess even early on I realised that was not the point of TV. <laughs> I'm trying to remember Badger Girl. I don't think I ever had to watch that. I had to watch, like, Through the Dragon's Eye. Was it? Did you ever see mm, that? No, I don't remember that one. It, I, I don't even really remember what happened. I mean, it sounds good, doesn't it, Badger Girl? I don't think it, she was, like, a superhero. She was probably, like, into 
tracking footprints or something. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I really don't remember, but I remember it was boring. The image in my head is one of those shonkily, shonky, very low budget, secretly yeah. it's all educational shows. Yeah, I guess there was a certain level of astuteness. And, uh, but I remember my whole class kind of used to boo when we had to watch it. So we were clearly onto it. <laughs> that wow. They were trying to educate us through this tv yeah badger girl must have been very bad for people to be i know booing the when the telly comes out i know that's the i know exciting thing i should uh i should look it up actually i just remember it sort of always seemed very dreary and british <laughs> and it always looks kind of gray and like it had just been raining and <laughs> i don't remember that i really don't remember what it was but clearly that was um you know that was one of the other major things that were wrong with the world and so, yeah, and so instead we'd watch Neighbours, which is stellar TV. That was exciting at that age. At seven years old, you were watching um, Neighbours? Yeah. And enjoying it? Yeah. Well, they had Toby. I'm showing, showing my age now. He was... He, and Bouncer. It had a dog. I, I don't think I followed all of the storylines, but it seemed exotic and sunny. <laughs> and people talked about it like the older kids, so... You wanted to be watching Neighbours. And I remember one of the dinner ladies once had some Neighbours stickers that she'd got in a cereal packet or something and everybody was trying to suck up to her to get the stickers. That was about as exotic as life got in my little world at that age. So whereabouts was it that you were going to school? Uh, it was in Wiltshire. Does that explain everything? <laughs> uh, well, I've, only, I've, I've seen a limited amount of Wiltshire. I've seen Swindon. Yep, uh, well, it was near Chippenham. Which is like Swindon, but without the good shops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Chiffnham is like the annoying little brother of Swindon, but without the CDs. It wasn't an exciting place to grow up. And, and so watching Neighbours... So Ramsey Street, wow. I mean, this goes... For, this is later on, but were, were your family living on Australia or some of your family was in Australia? No, no. It, I think it was just the pull of Neighbours... And I said, yeah, I said I wanted to move to Australia. This is uh, changing the world. Obviously, got the priorities right there. Um, but I, I guess I, I did think I might be lonely without my parents. I noticed I didn't choose to move my sister. <laughs> <laughs> just, just them, me and the cast of Neighbours. <laughs> Do you remember having uh, any issues with your sister at the time? Uh, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Older? No, younger, and um, yeah, we yeah we we fought properly. Like we really went for it with mental and physical violence. I don't feel like we missed any tricks in sibling rivalry. I think some people are quite jealous of like when a, a new sibling yeah, comes in. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't even like got that. I haven't got that far along the journey of evolution to go. Oh yeah, I was just jealous when she arrived. It's like she was just annoying we just used to know like exactly how to wind each other up we knew the exact buttons to press and uh we still do we get on now but still we can like just touch on those insecurities yeah. or or just wind each other up and conversations can go from like you're right to boom hanging up but it's the only person I'm like that with. Um, have we missed a any other lines which need explaining? Well, maybe I'd stop the white people being horrid to the black people. Ooh, As a seven-year-old, to pay attention to like 
I know. I was thinking, how did that get into my world? Clearly somebody, I saw something on the news, I think, and that's how somebody explained it to me. And I thought, oh, I'll stop that. But it's fascinating how your childhood brain goes between bombs and like racial issues and then sweets. Yeah, it goes from uh, dark, horrible, terrible things, people dying, being hurt. Okay, um, I know, I know, I've got just the thing. Dib dabs. Uh, that was all that. Um, that's as good as it gets at that age, isn't it? Neighbours and sweets. So can't imagine any problem being uh, unsolvable. Yes, I suppose as a seven-year-old, most of your problems can be resolved by television and sweets. Yeah. So what book actually is this? Uh, it's called Language Book. There are worksheets and... Yeah, various stories and, I mean, incredible drawings. It's a shame it's a podcast. You can't see the artistic talent that was displayed. I used to get very excited about when we could write stories and things. I liked going into the imagination and I think I'd say my grasp of reality was somewhat limited. (laughs) There was a bit I wrote later on about what I want to happen in the future. The theme of sweets comes up again (laughs) Um, and midnight feasts and... Australia and Neighbours. They really are your focus. Yeah, although there was also a wedding in that one to a boy in my class. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I don't think there was a huge amount of range going on. All I ever wanted was sweets and neighbours. It seems like you had some sort of obsession with sweets. Were you, uh, were you allowed them? No, we were allowed sweets once a week on a Saturday. And yeah, as a result, it's like made me kind of crave them constantly you know when you're not allowed something and it just god it became like a it became like a crack addict for sweets if anybody had any I just I had to have them I remember crying once when I first moved to that school um because my mum had given me a banana for my break and everybody else had crisps Uh, I was just devastated (laughs) um my I've got a friend now that I was at primary school with him, she remembers that and she was like, can't believe we all had to give you our crisps because you were crying about your banana. <laughs> so were you being made to try and be healthy? Yeah, which it which felt like abuse. <laughs> <laughs> Do you appreciate that now? Kind of, but it, yeah, it's when everyone else has got crisps, even now, I'd probably rather crisps over a banana. Yeah. No, it depends on the time, but... Um, I've not, I've not got a healthy relationship with sweets these days. I think they should, I think if, they, if they'd been more liberal through childhood, they wouldn't be this like coveted, exciting thing. I suppose because you you were looking forward to that moment that you were allowed them once yeah. a week. Yeah. So we're going to look at another book now. Is uh, when's this one from? This one is from when I would have been ten. Okay. So yeah, double figures. <laughs> bit more you know a little bit more world wise and uh what what book is this this is uh and this is language book as well some years on the bit i'm gonna read is uh i i think this is probably more science but i don't think we ever had science books so we probably just had to <laughs> it was either maths or language so, so science just got lumped in yeah the... science oh it's not math so that'll be <laughs> language and topic that was that was at primary school. It was, it was a really small school I went to, so like there was three years in one class. What was topic? 
topic was like they'd set a topic like Egyptians or something and then all the work you did about the topic, which I guess is how they snuck in all the subjects uh, without okay. us knowing. Did you have to mummify your own teddy bear? No. Oh, my God. Did you, did you do that? Yeah. That... I, thought, I thought that was a common thing. No. Well, maybe. We didn't. We didn't do that. Like you didn't have to make like a shoebox. No. Like, like a, a, a weird make a, a kill your own <laughs> teddy bear and make its own coffin. Weird to make a sarcophagus out of a shoebox for yeah. our own teddy bear, then wrap it up in like toilet roll, and then like <laughs> put it in. We didn't bury them. We didn't go that far, or make a pyramid for them. Do they have a curse on or anything? <laughs> maybe uh, the bear is out now. So uh, yeah, again, he's maybe probably the, very traumatized. Yeah, and the curse has been released. Yeah, we made pirate maps. Out of soaking soaking paper in tea. Yes. Did you do that? Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, we did that with. Um, we made our own newspapers from yeah. the ninth, from sixteen sixty six. Yeah. Used... When they used to make paper out of tea water. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what is this uh, project on? God, I remember the tedium of this project. It's called mung beans. <laughs> Although I see that I've like adapted it by adding Chinese mung beans. So maybe that was trying to make it a little bit more exciting. But this was about a study of growing mung beans, um, a daily study of of mung beans. And I remember this just went on forever. <laughs> um, it's not an exciting process, the growth of a mung bean. We measured, we did a lot of measuring of the mung beans, right. which is a small thing. <laughs> and if you're doing that on a daily basis, there's not going to be a lot of change. But I remember the detail we had to go into. I mean, maybe I should read day one. Yeah, go on. Okay. Day one, growing mung beans. My mung beans measured 0.3 millimetres and they were quite hard. They're a darkish green. The mung bean skin was called a tester... The hilum connects the seed micropyle parent plant is where the old pollen tube used to be. We soaked our seeds overnight and washed them so we could plant them on day two. Oh, so it starts with the seed. You spend a whole day preparing the bean, but not planting it. Not planting it. Let's not get get this over too quickly. (laughs) We're going to drag this out. It's like this teacher, I think, hadn't like planned properly, so... Thought, let's do mung beans again. I think she must have just like every day gone, oh shit, I've forgotten to plan again. More mung beans. (laughs) What's happened today? It's like, and the really cruel thing about this is uh, day two was my birthday. (laughs) So this project went on for a long time. This goes on for, uh, I've seemed to have stopped at 11 days, but whether the project stopped or I just kind of lost the will to live. So what happened? Sitting in a corner. <laughs> so what happened on day 11? So day 11, um, my actual seed is 0.5 millimetres, which means they've shrunk. <laughs> uh, they were going green because they'd been left out in the light. And such is the conclusion of the epic growth of mung beans, which really, I guess, gets the gets the kids inspired and uh fired up yeah it is an interesting one because can you remember it like not enjoying it yes i remember thinking mung beans again 
Um, like, yeah, we did Egyptians. <laughs> Egyptians, and then they made us do mung beads. That's, I mean, I just remember th- it feeling like I see through this. There is nothing really going on here. We're, lo- we're looking for change that's really kind of imperceptible to the naked eye. Like, all right, two millimetres more today. Um, I don't think anybody was infused by this. I've no idea if mung beans is still on the curriculum. Apart from, like, say, studying mung beans, did you generally like school at the time? Yeah, primary school was generally fun, which is why I remember this project. Just Because 11 days as well when you're a kid is, like, a long time. And and they're they're not in here because there must have been another bit. But I remember we had to, like, draw it. That we had like a wall of pictures of mung beans. It's not an inspiring bean. It's not even cress. You know, cress is better, isn't it? <laughs> now, I don't even really know what a mung bean is. And I've studied them for 11 days. <laughs> uh, I'm interested by the fact that you went, that you were in um, school years. You had f- three in, years in three one year. class. Yeah. How, yeah. How does that work? They just set different work according to which row you sat in. So there was like three rows. It just, yeah, that that was that just seemed normal. How many of you are in the room? There was probably about twenty. Wow! So that is a very that's yeah. a tiny school. Yeah. So there's like, I think there was ten in my year. The school was in the same village that you were living in. Uh, I lived in a village a couple of miles away, so I was a commuter child. That wasn't your original school. Oh no! I started school in Bristol, so moved to moved out to the country when when I was six I remember being excited because we used to sometimes get stopped by cows crossing the road to go to school and that seemed quite different <laughs> yeah. to Bristol I suppose you wouldn't now know any of the people who you had left no I remember two I remember two people I don't know if I should say I won't say it there Anyway, I had two boyfriends. <laughs> At the same time? Yeah. Wow. It seemed more acceptable that age. I don't think you necessarily know what a boyfriend is at no, that time. No, I don't time. think so. Um, I didn't see them at the same time, so maybe I was a little bit clever about it. I just remember they used to give me presents. That seemed to be quite a good deal. So what, <laughs> what kind of things were they giving you as presents? Stickers. I remember getting stickers, a colouring book... <laughs> Um, same kind of romantic gifts that I that I look for now in a partner. Um, sweets. There we go. I think that's probably that's it. That's cracked it right there. Yeah, I was just, just looking for dealers. I'd do anything. <laughs> I'd do anything for the sugar. Yeah. So I mean, if you have two boyfriends, you're doubling how many yeah, people are yeah, giving yeah. you sweets and stickers, and then you can keep it secret and get your chopper chop in. <laughs> before the weekend okay so you've got a another report from this book yeah this is a cooking report um so they made us get together in groups and plan a meal like a real meal and then we'd invite a guest in and we'd like send out an invitation and we'd spend weeks planning this dinner that we were going to cook well lunch so yeah then we obviously had to write an account of it and a very accurate sort of minute by minute account of how I cooked dinner <laughs> um up till that last bit that's a lot more exciting than the mung yeah, beans yeah I it was it was a really exciting thing to do but 
I, I've no idea. I must have just made these times up because I don't know how. Oh no, no, that's right. We had to write a we had to write a minute by minute plan of how we were going to cook the meal. So we had to like write, okay, how long is it going to take to chop the onion and you know, with adult supervision. On Wednesday, the 5th of June, Mr. Whiteley came for a meal that Ruth, Barney, William and I were cooking. We started at 9am. That's normal time to start for lunch prep. (laughs) First, we wiped the surfaces. Good. I'm sure he would have been very reassured and washed our hands. That seemed to take 10 minutes because at 9.10, Barney and William made the chocolate mousse. They asked Mrs. Collins, that was a dinner lady, if they could put it in the fridge. Uh, I've not said what she said about that. We can only (laughs) assume that she obliged, Uh, although she could be quite strict. While they were doing that, me and Ruth were making the pineapple aid. I've no idea how we made that. I'm Uh, not sure I know what that is. No, I I mean, that's just something you buy. So I'm not sure how (laughs) we made it. At 9.30am, Ruth was supposed to put the oven on at 200 degrees centigrade for the potatoes. But she forgot... (laughs) <laughs> this is a bit of drama here also at nine thirty, barney and william were supposed to wash up and dry up but they were still busy so i got landed with that job that took a long time because everyone kept finishing things at 10 so clearly a little bit of drama here this has gone it's gone wrong already i had to scrub the potatoes and put them on a baking tray at 10.05 me and barney prepared the coleslaw also william grated the cheese and ruth chopped up the carrot so it's an, ex- I don't know if you can tell what it's going to be yet, but it's clearly an exciting meal. Uh, at 10.15, William chopped the peppers up. At 10.25, I had to the chop, chop the onion. And you know raw, what raw onions make you do. Well, it was okay for a little while, but then the onions started to sting my eyes. Then I started crying. Well, not exactly, but my eyes started watering. Good that I've clarified that point. <laughs> yeah. uh, 10.30, Barney and Ruth were supposed to wash and dry up, but they were busy because Ruth had a go at chopping the onion. Well, it would be it would be mean for me to hog it. So I did it again. Oh, dear. At 10.40, I was supposed to fry the onion, but I was still doing the washing up. So I fried the onion at about 10.50. I still do this with every dinner that I cook. Uh, then at 10.55, Barney cooked the mincemeat with the onion at the same time. Ruth cooked the rice for 12 minutes and William prepared the tomatoes. 11.15, William and Ruth filled the tomatoes with the mince meat and rice. At 11.20, Barney was supposed to sprinkle the cheese on the tomatoes, but we decided to put the lids on instead, in a rare move of breaking from the plan. (laughs) 11.50, we were all getting excited. I put the tomatoes in the oven at 11.50. I haven't mentioned what happened about the fact that the oven wasn't turned on. Me and Ruth washed and dried up, and Barney and William set the table. Seems quite sexist with the washing up. I don't see that the boys have done any yet. Uh, 12.05, me and William meant, went to meet Mr. Whiteley, um, and that meant just to the door of the school. <laughs> so who, who was this? He was a teacher from the secondary school that we invited in. Uh, when he came, I was very nervous. Barney added the soda water to the pineapple aid. No idea what that was. Barney was offering the pineapple aid, but because the jug was full, Mr. Whiteley poured for everyone. William went to get the beef tomatoes, then I took them to the table. It's good to break down exactly what happened. <laughs> they were yummy. 
Barney put the jacket potatoes on the plate and Ruth took them to the table. I offered the fillings and we had the coleslaw with it. Ruth then offered the chocolate mousse, but it hadn't set. But it was yummy anyway. I had three helpings. When Mr. Wankley went, we all washed and dried up. That's the end. It's amazingly detailed. It is incredibly detailed. (laughs) The people um, who you cooked with, were they your friends? Um... The, yeah, they were. Ruth was my Ruth was my best friend at the time. Barney and William were boys, so they didn't count as friends. But clearly, I had quite a bit of. Uh, there was a lot of people, according to me, there that weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, who weren't kind of living up to expectations. I clearly felt quite put upon about my extra washing up duties, which had not been planned. So, were you taking charge? I don't think I'm taking charge. I think I'm just seem to be the one that gets uh, stuck with all the washing up and clearly not very happy about it. (laughs) Do you remember being um, happy at the end of uh, that particular endeavour? I think it felt like we'd arrived to adulthood (laughs) (laughs) because uh, we pulled off such an adult occasion. Yes. um, Which is... Four people cooking lunch, <laughs> but it is a very grown-up. It is quite stuffed stuffed peppers. Like, mm. I mean, it's not a sandwich, is it? Like that, I don't really go to that much effort now. No. Um, and your your friends, um, do you still speak with them? Uh, no, I haven't uh, spoken to her for years, but I am friends with her mum on Facebook. But not her. No, that's weird, isn't it? But we didn't, yeah, we didn't, like, we kind of lost touch after primary school. Her, my dad has stayed friends with her mum. I think that's maybe why. And maybe she's, she's more nostalgic. <laughs> with these books, um, why have you still got them? That's a good question. Um, because my dad was recently clearing out the attic and was like, I don't want this shit anymore. <laughs> And it's like, you should want it. You should want to keep those things. I don't want it. So I got rid of a load and then I just kept a few because clearly there's such important work in them. (laughs) It would be, you know, it would be a crime to get rid of some of these world visions. I'm going to pass it on to Theresa May, actually. (laughs) She might want to uh, pick up a couple of tips there. So what made you want to keep these books but throw away the other stuff that you already have. I basically threw away the maths books because they were um, there wasn't much personality in the maths books. Like there wasn't much, um, and I did I didn't really like spend a long time. I just thought I, I'll keep a couple, so I just flicked through and kept some with the most memorable bits in, I suppose. And do you see yourself now in these books? I do in the like world vision stuff. The mung beans, I just remember the absolute tedium of it. And then the cooking one is like, I think I was quite a precocious child (laughs) and clearly thinking that like, oh, well, I'm doing everything brilliantly and everyone else is too slow with their jobs. Like, I think that little precociousness comes through there. Like, It sounds like in it that you feel like there's some injustice going on. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely feel a bit of a victim, don't I? Um, I expect I wasn't. <laughs> um, how have you felt reading them? 
it's weird how much I remember because I've got a pretty bad memory. So kind of reading them, it brings it all back and they're not causing like a huge amount of judgment just because I think I was so young. Yeah, I guess you remember how grown up you felt at the time and you're like, well, no, you knew you knew nothing and you weren't that important. But I like the fact that we split cutting the onion up between two people. Yes. Uh, it's also, it's funny that you then go back to cutting it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it felt like a rite of passage, like... And you know what happens when it, what raw onions make you do. And it's like, I didn't, I've never cut an onion before. I was 10. It was clearly like, oh my God, I'm kind of experiencing this, this moment of adulthood, which is a burden that you must bear. (laughs) Is there anything from being 10 years old that you remember, which you'd love to be able to do again? Um, stuffed peppers. <laughs> uh, well, the simplicity of life is quite nice. And the excitement about neighbours. <laughs> no, I guess it's just exciting having um, all of the possibilities before you still, when you still think that life could be anything you want, even if that doesn't extend beyond solving uh, problems with sweets. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast, Becky. Thank you for having me. You're about to get, head to the Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. Where can people see your show? Um, it is at Cabaret Voltaire at 6.45 every day, apart from two Mondays where I thought I'd have a sleep. It's called Beaming. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you haven't had a chance already, then please do find us on Facebook. I'd sooner forget this or on Twitter, I'd sooner forget. Uh, and also give us a review on iTunes. And if you haven't got time for any of that, just keep subscribed and listen to next week's episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye.